You are now in queue to join Game from the Gamers, a podcast where good friends gaming on PS4 talk about life, movies, relationships, other random shit, and, well, obviously, video games. Starring Chad, Garcia, Trey, Xavier, Daryl, and Corey. Let us put you on game. Game from the Gamers is brought to you by Exquisite Podcast Radio Network. Shout out to Exquisite. Welcome to episode 22 of the Game from the Gamers podcast. As you know, this is another edition, another expedition, another rendition of the best podcast in the world, man. I'm going to go ahead and say it. We out here right now. We are out here. Um, yeah, shout out to Exquisite. Shout out to Exquisite. For sure. Yeah. We're doing our thing. Episode 22 is going to be uh, all over the place, but you guys can keep up because I know you guys who have been listening for the longest know once you hear that Game Boy sound, we are switching topics. Um, so you will hear two things. Um, this is going to be a session with me and the homies. I got Chad, a.k.a. Dirty Booty, a.k.a. I got dreads and I'm light-skinned. I have Garcia, a.k.a. King Skinny Jeans, a.k.a. Uh, <laughs> what was that shit y'all was doing last <laughs> night? What was that shit y'all was doing? Dickor. A.k.a. Dickor. That's his new tag, bro. Dick hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lock, lock, cock, lock, nigga. Let's go, man. Let's get it. I am here with <laughs> Xavier, aka Rashad, aka Javier, aka I just lost in 2K and I'm Saudi. Um, we also <laughs> have um, who we got left? Daryl. We got Daryl with us, right, Mister Army Man, Mister. I will articulate how I'm gonna whoop your ass and then do so. Mr. Uh, Mr. I accidentally blew you up by drop kicking that zombie into you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the uh, Dying Light Chronicles. I'm sorry for that player. Um, man, let that shit go, man. That shit was old. Yeah. Let that shit go. We gotta let it go. Hey, sorry, but not sorry. Um, <laughs> not sorry. So this is gonna be a good episode. We have an interview with uh, George Huffnagel, and I'm not gonna get too much into it in this session. We will be explaining that during the interview. So when you hear the Game Boy sounds. Uh, we'll be switching back and forth between that interview and you guys, I think, will like it. It's pretty technical, but it's also just cool to hear how um, a game that actually made it to the Switch uh, actually happened. So stay tuned for that. But right now we got some topics to get into and I'm pretty excited. And we are playing Dying Light, uh, by the way. So if niggas is hollering, that's why. So uh, our first topic, Xavier... Um, do you want to give us our first topic? And if you need to kick it to Garcia, feel free, because that is his topic. But kick it kick, kick it off for us, man. Um, sure. Like Corey said, this is Garcia's topics, and uh we talking about animated ass. We're talking about animated booty. About- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um basically I was just wondering what was everybody's thoughts as to how uh females have been portrayed in video games now. As opposed to, you know, how we came to know him growing up. We all know Lord Croft was like the poster babe for the ladies back in the day. You know, she had the bull, she had the butt, and she kicked butt. But these days, I feel like ladies are definitely getting more of a palette with like, you know, smarter characters, more, also tough characters too. But like, it's been some real notable ones that I feel like is some real good ones. Um, 
mostly the tough chicks. I've been liking to see a lot of tough chicks, a lot less damsel in distress. Um, I want to know if y'all seen any ladies. Uh, I definitely could get mine out, but I kind of don't want to take everyone. Um, I want to pass it to maybe Daryl. Maybe got some good ladies using the scene on some video games recently that's like been really putting it down for the ladies. Cause I feel like uh, they don't always get the, the 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 limelight as much as the guys in games and and actually that's not just games but a lot of media. But we just talking games now. So uh, yeah, my man's. Yo, it's yeah. Good. Um, <clears throat> the one lady who stood out to me this year ain't even really. She's not even for real for a lady as far as far as her lore goes. And that's my girl 2B from Near Automata. Woo! 2B was a beast. Alert. Large enemy group detected. Yes, I'm aware of that. Enemies destroyed. Not quite. She was supposed to look like some Lolita ninja type character. And you know what, man? Like, yeah. I only got to play near Automata, like, in passing. And I got to play the demo. And she kicks ass. Not yes. to mention, like, have you, if you take just five minutes and look on the interwebs <laughs> and see yeah. some of that fan art, holy, or, yeah. the, or, the, or the cosplay, <laughs> uh, holy booty cheeks. The oh thing I like God. about her is, yeah, she is like in a real position of power in game, and she is like a tough chick. But she, mm -hmm. she has a certain level of sex appeal too. Like I feel like she's a really mm -hmm. dope ass character for sure. Yes. Um, yes. 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 Um, so yeah, that that was that was one of my big ones for this year, like 2017. Like that was 2B was my girl. Now as far as waifu, like undying waifu, that has to go Bang. to my girl Tifa Lockhart. From I thought for sure nobody was thinking of this chick, you know, from way back. What? No, Lockhart was was my You don't know who that is. Just go on fucking Google right now and Google hot Tiffa. It ain't even hentai. It's just like dope cosplay and just Bad, uh, just, just Google it. Woo. I didn't go ruin it. Woo. It's, it's safe it. for yeah. work. Tifa. Let's do it. <laughs> one, thing, one thing I love about Tifa Lockhart, though, is the fact that even back then, when we when we first started gaming, gaming has, especially at its onset, was extremely male centric. It, it still is, but it's like we dialed it back a lot, like G was saying. But um, mm -hmm. like, even back then, Tifa was she was va va boom, yes. But Tifa was a strong character, and for a while there, during the plot of the story, she was legitimately everybody's touchstone. She was the backbone of the team. The main yeah. character had lost his memories, got him back, mm -hmm. lost him again, and got him back. Then had identity crisis, and the whole way through it, she put the team on her back. Yeah, the that really the other female lead got <laughs> killed. She put the team on her back. Yes. And I'm like, man, that's what I'm talking about. That's that maternal... Uh, that maternal strength that she got, like that's the one chick. If you knock her up, you ain't worried. Like, hey, baby girl, gonna take care of the baby. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't worried about. I ain't worried about nothing. Tifa gonna take care of that baby, man. You know, oh, yeah. but, um, but that being said, that's my my choice for 2017 as far as my favorite female uh, video game character has to be 2B, and my all time is is definitely uh, Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy VII. Um, just so people know who you are, you know what I mean? Got to introduce the guest. Um, so I'm going to be honest. I'm super excited about this. This is going to be dope. This interview is right up my alley. I am 
sitting here with George. And you know what, George? I'm not even going to attempt your last name because the more <laughs> that I looked at it, the more that it looked like like an onomatopoeia for like a sneeze or something. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what or even how to say it. Like, you know how you look at the back of hockey jerseys? Oh, of course. And it's the like... Swedish you know, long names? Yeah, I don't know what that is. So... I'm going to just call you by George. If you want to sure. give them your last name, you can. This is a great time for promo, but I'm not even going to attempt it because I'm going to murder it. Sure, it's no problem. It's it's exactly as it might look. It's Huffnagel, which uh, means horseshoe. So you can go that way if you'd like. But okay. uh, Huffnagel is my name. It's missing an E at the end, as most people think um, or like to put in there. Mm. But uh, you are not the first person who struggled with that. So I appreciate your honesty. Hey, man, that's what we're all about here at the Game from the Games podcast is honesty. So um, let's just keep it free-flowing, man. Um, you were asking me some questions here before we hit record, so I, I definitely don't want to leave you hanging. Uh, man. so if you got any questions for me, man, shoot. Sure. Well, you know, uh, we're both audio people, and a lot of times audio people focus on lots of things at the same time. But I was curious to know a little bit more about you and what your primary focus is, maybe professionally or even in your personal interests? So for me, uh, I've always loved to do music and I started doing hip hop, pop, R&B when I was just a youngin and maybe about, I'd say I started when I was 11 making beats and then I moved into like my first, I did my first paid recording when I was like 14, 13 awesome. or 14. That's cool, man. Yeah, but I didn't know what mixing was. So it was just literally some tracks, and then I did some volume adjustments. And um, it was a family friend, and he loved it. He paid me money for it. It was That's when I knew. I was like, man, I, I got to do this. I feel like I might be good at this. So I mean, that young, it had to have been really exciting. It was. It was. I was a weird kid, though. I've always been about my business, and I've always been very hardworking. So... Mm -hmm. It felt to me like the, the the most natural next step was to start making money or proving that this was worth my time. And the fact that someone was willing to pay me for it was just, I guess, another step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to ignore all of that because I'm super smart and go to school for computer <laughs> engineering. <laughs> and as you can imagine, that didn't turn out well. Uh, I spent most of my time making beats in my dorm room. Mm -hmm. And from there, I transferred to Capital University to study music technology. And uh, it was a wrap from there. And I just I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing. So I wasted half of a year um, of my time. And uh, the, the timeline of life experience, a half a year is, is a blink. So uh, I, it's crazy that you had that experience so young, you know, a professional music experience. And that you have parlayed that into your life. Um, so congratulations. That's awesome. And it sounds like you've married the two. You know, you studied computer engineering, but you abandoned that track, it sounds like, in part, but with music technology, you kind of invited it back into that part of your career. So um, it's always tricky. I mean, audio is a hybrid of skill sets. And uh, a lot of times the technical side sneaks its way in, whether it's um, to build something create something or uh, most likely fix something. Right, right. Exactly, man. That that technical side of things, the computer aspect, you can't really get away from it. Uh, maybe in, maybe like, 
I don't know, 30 years ago when computers weren't, maybe not even, maybe even longer than that, when literal engineering was just the board and a tape machine, I could have got away with not doing anything computer related. But in today's world, the two are so closely tied. It's almost impossible to separate them. So yeah, well, it is. Um, but you know, I even say like I went to uh, school for music, and I have a lot of exposure to technology until probably my probably my mid twenties. And I took a class at University of Illinois uh, in sound design, and part of that was being introduced to real to real tape, the old technology you referred to there. And oh man, the precision that you needed for that kind of work required a level of patience that um, isn't necessarily needed for certain types of things nowadays. At least the technical side of what tape required is done so easily in digital formats. Um, but it's certainly like things can go wrong quickly if oh, you're not yeah. careful with tape. And um, I have appreciation for, for the decades of um, time it was prevalent in music technology. So it's just, it's, it's crazy what's available to you for so little money, but that point of entry also results in such a flood of people getting into it, which is good and bad. Um, certainly opens up the culture of audio production, but mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. finding good answers for things out there makes it, it's a lot more difficult when you're trying to get started and know what is good and bad advice. Yeah. Um, the one thing I think that I would compare, it's hard to compare because I'm, I'm trying to dumb some of this more um, technical talk down for the listeners. I guess the way I would describe cutting tape would be if someone told you to write a book in permanent marker and if you messed up, you had to cut words out of the book and paste it back together so that it still looked like a page in a book and the words on the page still made sense. That's oh, what that's cutting a, tape a, was like. That's a really good analogy. Um, I worked at a video store in 2000 to 2004 when we were converting from VHS to DVD. Mm -hmm. And part of my job was repairing VHS tapes. Mm. So somebody would bring in a VHS tape from home and it mangled the tape. Like their VHS was old or uh, the player was cold and the reels were screwed up and they bring it in. They're like, I don't know what happened. Um, so we'd have to put it in a machine, pull all the tape out, slice it just like you said, and then you just basically put a Band-Aid on it in order for it to work properly. And hopefully you don't cut out too many frames that it appears like a hiccup, but sometimes you get 10 feet of tape. That's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a it's a tedious process. But uh, there's a certain way, you know, you get dirty with, the tape, you know, you're kind of playing in the mud, um, like you would outside. And, um, you, I feel like that level of tactile experiences is, is, is lost now. It's not good or bad, but it's just, you know, something different, um, that yeah. people dealt with back in the day. So I, you know, and I, you know, I guess I'm not sure who your audience is at this point, if we lost everybody, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's just, you know, kind of the audio, um, way of dealing with things is, is, what, what side of the connection are you on in terms of digital and analog? And there's still a lot of that conversation happening, but hopefully sure. that's something people can connect to that conversation a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to backtrack a little bit um, and get more into your uh, past 
for sure. And how you got into sound design and music. I think people who listen to this podcast, um, they understand what it is, especially from this episode. Um, they're understanding what it is that sound design actually does for video games in terms of like creating a soundscape and essentially creating, I would say, the meat and potatoes of, of what a game is without sound. It's, it's kind of weird trying to play a game. Um, so it, it, it really is the, the, I would consider maybe because I'm an audio guy and I'm being biased, but I consider it to be like the backbone of the game. If you don't have good audio, it can ruin the experience. So how does one get into that? Can you, can you walk us through your journey? Um, you know, in, in terms of how you got into music and, and, and then, you know, sound design and, and how that all flowed together. Sure. Of course. Uh, well, how far back do you want to go? Far back as you want to take it, I took it back to eleven. So you know, I kind okay. of set the precedence there. <laughs> well, I'll go back even further to eight when I had a ex- was exposed to like an old Casio keyboard, <laughs> mm. um, where you could record your voice and um, play back. Uh, you know, immediately, immediately map it onto the keyboard, and it would trans trans uh, transcribe your voice to different pitches and things. Um, that was probably the first time I had ever experienced sound as kind of a fun idea. Uh, just Recording your voice, or um, in my case, burps, and then hitting play, and it would play it back. You know, some sort of MIDI, um, MIDI structure. Like there was like a Mozart tune, it would play along with, and but it would be in burps. And when you're eight, I mean, that's the best thing in the world is just to hear yourself doing silly things and without um, any work at all. You know, it's kind of a magical experience. But fast forward several years, I started. Um, in band in grade school, pursued in high school, decided to become a psych major in undergrad, uh, music minor. And then after a year, having taken music classes, decided to go all in with music. You made the same mistake I did. Okay. That's great. That's good to know. Yeah. We're on the same page in some, some ways, (laughs) (laughs) uh, kindred spirits. And, um, I wasn't quite sure what discipline within music was right for me. I, I was not really into performing, although, you know, I did lots of performing, but there was just something about performing that never clicked with me. Um, Part of it was stage fright and working to get over that. But also there was a certain level of um, practice that I wasn't willing to go for um, in that area. And I didn't feel what was required of a professional career as a performer was right for my uh, life. So um, I went into music business and then finally got into composition in the last year of my undergrad and decided that wasn't enough uh, for school. So I decided to go to grad school for two more years where I was exposed to more music technology than I had ever had been. And that's kind of where I was introduced to what sound design was. Mm. And sound design in a music program that's not aimed around games is primarily around uh, performance and art form and learning sort of the core fundamentals of how to put together a compositional piece in a large form so that you make sense going from A to B over uh, you know a period of time that was fixed. So anywhere from one minute to some pieces would be 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Um, now that I've got my piece out, I want to hear from my boy Chad, man. Come on, man. T- tell me, tell me, is this somebody just as flamboyant, rambunctious as you on your list? Um, how can I, how can I put this? I just finished 
Uncharted Lost Legacy. I just finished it. Mm. And uh, we got two in that, but I'm gonna leave it to the one. And that's 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 my girl Nadine. Hey, you all right? Sorry, I just need to get my head back in the game. And now he. Hey, Nadine Ross! Oh my God! What the hell? <laughs> Your head back in the game now? Oh, smarter! Ah, mm. uh, uh, she. Let me <laughs> Let me just say real quick. I love the fact that Nadine got hair just like uh, my niece. <laughs> like, yeah. she got yeah, some I was just gonna say that. Hair. Like, so not, I, I like not that. only not only is she like the like was whooping like because she was in Uncharted Four. That was her debut, mm -hmm. and she was whooping they ass the whole game. Like it was like they took. <laughs> I think they took like five six L's to this motherfucker. Like they was it was two on one. They couldn't at do nothing. Point. Like it was bad. So like two things at once. Yes, ass. it was whooping they ass. You was swinging around trying to figure out what she was doing. You couldn't do it, man. But. She's just a hardcore chick, like the whole time. Yeah. And even in Lost Legacies, they like go more into it. If you ever play it, like you'll see it. But she ain't got no soft about her. It's just like, yo, you want these hands, you can get them right also, now. Also, like <laughs> uh, in the Uncharted, they didn't make her like a one-dimensional character. She definitely had some depth, and she wasn't just inherently evil. Like she exactly. was just on the wrong side. Yeah, she was just on. The, and she explained it. They they went into more detail. Uh, even about Sam Drake and everything, like the whole connection between um, Uncharted 4. So she was badass, man, like the whole entire game. Like she was fighting men yeah. like straight up, straight up and down. Yes. So oh. I got to say uh, that. Can we do Can we do another one? Yeah, do do like your all-time favorite chick, man. I mean, I'm going to do that stick out. somebody that stick out. I would have to say... I would have to say uh, Riku from Final Fantasy X. Ooh, Good pick. What? Good pick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would the have to say Riku. She, she can she can speak El Bed too, so we good. You know yeah. I'm already in it. Oh. That really hurt, you know. You big meanie. <sighs> Wait, but you attacked us. Nuh-uh. It's not exactly what you think. So like that was my homie right there. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I am a fan of Riku. She's back yeah, for real. I like I like her. So that that would be my second all time pick. I could go down the list, but she's like one of my favorite for sure. Cause her hair was off the hook too. It was like it's a she has some pirate look going on. It was like a pirate type. Like what did you do? Some Jack Sparrow type shit? We didn't know. We didn't know what it was. They turned her all the way up on on that. Was that Final Fantasy Ten too? They, yeah, that's it too. Yeah, they turned her all the way up. <laughs> I was on that, yeah, yeah, for sure. And she was always yeah. just like a really fun character, while everybody else was kind of serious and all about exactly. the She, you, all, I'm always about the jokes. You know what it is. So she <laughs> right. was definitely one of those characters I can relate to. I went to University of Iowa, and um, after we did these pieces of electroacoustic music, as they are categorized, um, where you would be recording audio, manipulating it. Uh, getting into um, some Pro Tool sessions, trying some Kima, which is a pretty sophisticated sound design program for somebody just getting into sound design. Um, I just exposed to a lot of different things. And video games have been a part of my life since I was five, but um, sound design wasn't something I knew about but until I was 25. So once I was exposed to that, I thought this was a, an interesting career path as a possibility. So 
not knowing what to do, um, I just bought a small Pro Tools package. Uh, had a really bad Dell PC computer. Oh man! And just tinkered. And when you're starting out, that's good. I think having a lot of limitations can be rewarding, and it allows you to focus on very few things that are available to you. So I would do things like download game trailers and just strip the audio out and redo my own sound design. I would have friends come over and record their voices and then I would manipulate it and just try things that way. Um, I would record myself. I'm a trumpet player, so I would record myself playing trumpet and then just mangle that Mm -hmm. um, and just do that over and over again without any specific career goal. But Eventually, I wanted to make an honest effort at it. And so when my wife decided to go to school uh, for her grad school, I went with her to Champaign-Urbana in Illinois. And I was employed by the university in a clerical position and was able to take classes as a benefit. It was part of the tuition. It was a tuition waiver that was offered. So Hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll I'll do that. And so I met with the professor in audio there. I took a couple sound design classes. And... Uh, that exposed me to more focused techniques, specifically with audio design, and exposed to more things like, like plugins, um, like GRM tools, which is a really popular tool set. And eventually, I got enough material together through that, I had a demo. And when I moved to Chicago after that with my wife, uh, she got a job up here. And I was on the job hunt at that point. And within six weeks, I had applied at a children's publishing company that did books with buttons and some apps and things. Mm -hmm. There was a sound design position open. I applied, I sent my materials in and it turns out I was a viable applicant and made it to there. And that was the first job in sound design that uh, was uh, afforded to me. So I felt, you know, it was just kind of a series of lucky events and hard work as you put it. And when those two things came together, like, you know, the opportunity arose and I was able to take advantage of it. So, right. Um, <laughs> it's kind of surreal sometimes how that happens, but you just have to keep your eyes open um, and wanting to keep moving forward. And if you have good people in your life, well, you're like, you had your family member who employed you, um, gave you that first opportunity and it, it, you just can sustain yourself on a little, if you, I really have a strong goal. So just those little pieces of encouragement where somebody gives you an opportunity and you take advantage of it and it works out to be a good opportunity. So um, so getting into sound design is a gnarly process just because there's no clear path. Right. But that's also great because then you can create one for yourself in some ways, um, which most people I know in audio have really sort of peacock style backgrounds where they're all different colors and they all come at it different ways. Um, you know, people who are in who are bands, who are audio producers, uh, recording engineers, um, commercial jingle writers from like the 90s, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of folks doing all kinds of things. Um, people who start in theater, people who were computer engineers and decided that they want to pursue audio full time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and and so that's great. I mean, the more different kinds of people you have at the table, um, the better it'll be. So, 
um, getting into it is funky and, and, and often fraught, but it's a really rewarding field if you can sustain the turbulence of it sometimes. But um, I, I, you know, I've been lucky to have a very supportive family and um, professors and teachers who who saw, you know, the, the hard work I put in as something that they want to continue to encourage and, and push forward. So that's how I got into it. Um, that's kind of the very brief version, kind of yeah. hide all, all the bumps and bruises that happen along the way. But um, <laughs> those, are, those are just part of the, the I think, most people's pathway. Yeah, I was just going to say, even though to some people that might seem like the long version, um, when you're diving into audio, a lot of the time you have to be self-taught in some way, shape or form in some aspect. And a lot of times you have to be an entrepreneur. So there are tons, as you said, bumps and bruises and (laughs) things along the way that really, really knock you down. Um, And. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Any of you guys wondering how one person gets into um, sound for video games. I've heard more stories of people saying, well, I kind of just stumbled into it or it was something I saw one time while doing something else. It's audio is one of those fields where there's so many different ways you can go that sometimes your passion just kind of sneaks up on you. Um, Prime example, I did not expect to be doing audio books for Amazon (laughs) <laughs> when I got out of college, that was not what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I was going to be in the studio making music, writing beats, and that's not what happened at all. And then, you know, audiobooks led to um, what I'm doing now in podcasting. So uh, I think that's that's really cool, man, that you were able to get into sound design, really, you know, whether you snuck in the door or what, you know, I think it's dope that you got in there and, and are making a living off of that. So that yeah, I, I have a hard time, you know, what's that's 10, let's see, I started my first job when I was 28. Mm-hmm. So seven years ago, uh, professionally in sound design, and I've been fortunately doing it ever since. And um, it's kind of weird how that happens, because the landscape's changed. So when people ask for advice, I some of the things are applicable, but the technology's changed, the online environment's changed, the competitions changed so Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to provide a very clear path to anybody to say just do this and you'll get this which i think in any creative field is typical um you know that not just for audio people i think perform music performers or artists visual artists Mm -hmm. it's uh a tricky it's a tricky career path there are people who are just you know blessed with like immense talent from the gate um, in some ways, I, of course, it has to be cultivated and you have to put in the hard work, but um, there's some people who can jump to the front of the line and then there are folks who just have to go at it for years and really uh, sort of whittle away until something, you know, is produced that's gets somebody's attention, the, you know, the person, the right person that can provide the right opportunity. Um, so it, it, it's it's a broad field with lots of broad talent and you finding your own path is going to be dependent upon your willingness to go through the gauntlet and um, uh, the patience to, to see it through. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a lot of patience to sustain a, a career in this. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well put. I want to get into 
Um, now that we've established your background, kind of how you got there, I wanted to talk about some of the um, sound design stuff that you have done now that we've kind of explained what sound design is. And, and before we move forward, I would like you to give what your definition of sound design is. What is sound design to you? Sure. Um, it depends on what I'm working on, but in terms of games, sound design is the application of creating sound effects, voiceover editing, and implementing audio into a game environment. So a sound designer's role typically changes on the project scope, but again, uh, a sound designer's role changes depending upon the project scope and whether or not they can um, get into the actual implementation side depends upon whether you're working in-house or as a freelancer. But at the core of it, your goal is to create audio for a game environment. And over time, uh, the sound designer, I heard somebody say this years ago that everybody wants to be sort of the lead player in the band, the keyboardist, guitarist, but the band needs bass players, which is what a sound designer is in the audio world. <laughs> We're the bass players of, of, of audio. Mm -hmm. So um, the composer tends to just, you know, get a lot of visibility, and understandably so, but the backbone uh, is supported by the sound designer. So we team up with you know, programmers and um, the technical side of things, we address what needs to work in the game, how it's going to respond to a player's input, um, and the best pathway to get to that goal um, of creating an environment that feels alive and rich and responsive to what the game's goals are. So it's an invisible art form, which I think is... is uh, tricky to think about because how do you show somebody what something sounds like? You know, uh, you right. can't say the color, like there's no analogy for the color green, which I suppose a frequency might be, um, or timbre is another way we might describe a color, but again, it's intangible. So, um, you often find yourself creating up words or sounds, onomatopoeias, like you said, <laughs> like my last name, <laughs> um, that, that, get halfway there to describe. So um, sound designers in games have to be game designers. They have to think like a game designer. They have to understand the complications that um, developers and game designers face when creating something. And so, you know, playing games is, uh, is incredibly important. Understanding how games work is incredibly important. Um, that doesn't mean you have to love every type of game, but I feel if you have a, a knack for a certain type of sound design, whether it's, you know, um, realistic or uh, vibrant, fantastic sounds or something comedic, you should know, you know, what kinds of games reflect those goals and understand what is happening behind the curtain. You know, um, you think about like a, a player, a musical and you see everybody on the stage, but you don't see the costume designers. You don't see the set designers. You don't see um, the sound designers <laughs> for a theater. Mm -hmm. And all those folks are working hard back there. And knowing where you fit in that role is, is incredibly important. So 
Um, sound design, you know, is similar in terms of the work and across disciplines, but for games specifically, it's more important most of the time to understand like the the, the roles that everybody plays um, in relation to yours because it's, it's a it's a team based endeavor, and if you're not in sync with the team. Uh, you're going to have trouble uh, over over the course of the development. Right, right. Um, and I, I feel like the sound designers, to add to your point, might be the most creative, in my opinion, just because <laughs> um, visually, for me, well, not always, um, but designing stuff nowadays, it's like, oh, he's going to have armor, and, you know, maybe it's uh, alien armor or something and it looks like this and it looks all crazy. But, I mean, it's armor. You know what I mean? You can get kind of creative around it. It's, it's armor. The thing that gets me about si- sound designers is, you know, what does alien armor sound like? Now we're kind of stepping into, for me, a completely different realm. Like, what does alien footsteps sound like? What do alien guns sound like? I mean... We have no clue. These things don't exist. So, uh, and this is not to, to, to downplay, you know, the people who actually design these characters and stuff, because that does take a lot of imagination. But just designing how these characters might sound um, and and then realizing how these sound designers get these sounds. Um, you know, oh, I took a dog bark and I manipulated it so that it sounded like a gunshot. Mm-hmm. Or something weird, and you're like, how, who? How do you think of these things? And to me, that's 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 the beauty of sound design. Like you have, it's 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 limitless. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, pass pass the buck here, uh, Corey. Man, what you uh, what you got going on over there? What's happening? Oh man, you know me, man. I I gotta have I gotta have the best of both worlds, man. I can't just have titties and guns you know what i'm saying and i know in the <laughs> early days that's what it started off with that's what we had that's what it started off with for sure um this is tough man because there is a couple chicks that i had in mind um and 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 i can go through my my, my weird little list that i have um for the all time um this year though i'm gonna kick it to something a little bit uh a little bit different from you guys um, okay. I definitely enjoyed uh, my favorite character. I'm a pick from Fortnite, and the reason I pick for Fortnite what? is for a couple okay. reasons. Um, Sentinel hype. She looked West African. If y'all look up Sentinel hype, she looked West African. <laughs> she fine and she heavy on the low end, right? Why is that important? Yeah. Booty wasn't a thing in video games ever. Like, it was all about titties forever for the longest I can remember. But to have that balance finally start to come back, like, to where somebody built, like, extra thick, like, like a cartoon <laughs> character thick, like, I, I was like, yes, that's dope. That's something different. I'm sick of staring at titties. This is dope. So I really I appreciated before, that. but Fortnite did a good job of having a lot of different body types and a lot of different races in a game. More so than I've noticed in, like, other games, for sure. Yes. Hey, can I can I leave a can I leave a note for post production, Corey? Why you talking about old girl? You need to drop that all about that base, out that base. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. I see you. Hey, but that's what it is, man. And and for me, it was a it was a close second. What um, 
with uh, Laura from 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 Street Fighter, the Brazilian looking chick with the half braids, oh, half long hair, and she was she was yeah. thicker than a bowl of oatmeal too, and she was goofy yeah, as hell. That's yeah. why I liked her. She was goofy and thick, and she could she could bang out with the best of them. So, huh? Laura. Hi. Are you guys talking about me? What have you been doing around here? And look at your hair. I know what it is. You must have found a girlfriend. No, I didn't. Don't touch me. Hey. But you still look so thin as a rail. You must eat more meat. Otherwise, your girlfriend won't like you. I said I don't have a girlfriend. I give you. You should stop them. I give up. Let's make things burn with one more head rub. Is this considered a typical brother-sister relationship? Okay, now that I've said hello to my dear little brother. When it comes to Street Fighter, Cammy was my chick. She had them cheeks, man. Oh my Ooh. god. Ooh. Oh my heat god. Makers. That was Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Lee was my girl with them heat makers, them thighs, boy. Heat I'm makers. sorry, I'm sorry, man. I'm coming yeah. in. No, 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 no. I was gonna agree. I was gonna agree. I was gonna agree. Absolutely, absolutely. So um when it comes to all time though, man, I struggle, I struggled, I struggled, I thought about it. And I'll throw a couple out there. That I felt was was kind of dope to me, uh, but all time I think I think one of my all time favorite has to be um, Rain from Blood Rain. Rain, get away, run! Put him down, you lying rat, sucking son of a bitch! Liar, definitely, but so is he. Didn't you tell it? Um, oh, man. I knew it. Man. <laughs> It's something about the redheads, man. It's something about the redheads. <laughs> redheads. Um, but uh, uh, of course, for the obvious reasons, again, another badass. Uh, she was a Dampier or like some type of vampire mix or some craziness. If you haven't played those games, Dampier, half human, half vampire. Yeah. Yes. So it was it was pretty cool. The 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 seconds that I had, I'll give two other other ones that I had that were close all time. Um, Ayame from Tenchu. You better be the real Ricky Mara this time. What are you talking about? Huh. Nothing. Forget I said it. Ah, that. Lord Goda told me all about it. This Tenrai fellow seems to be quite inventive. Annoying is more like it. Anyway, I found out where the Jewel of Heaven is. It's in the eye of the Buddha in the temple. Leave Onikage to me. You should hurry to the Buddha temple. I thought Ooh. she was fine. Oh, yeah, Okay. Yo, man, can I can I interject right here? They had a I cheat code where you could where you could Me throw a thong on her. Yes. You remember yes. that shit? <laughs> I had that code. <laughs> I know that code. That's that, right. That, 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 yeah. Like I know it, man. Yes. <laughs> it square, man. Damn. Straight up. Yeah. Straight up. I remember, yo, when I was a kid and I first had that game back in 1998, I remember most of the codes were very similar in that game. And I put that code in on accident and I got the sexy outfit. I was like, yo, am I dreaming? Where yeah. <laughs> How did I get this outfit? Her booty cheeks is out. Oh, all the way out. Fucking mind, dude. Blew my fucking mind because I didn't know that shit was in there. I just, Yo, yes. I had to be careful when I played that game after that, man. Like, <laughs> for real. Almost was the situation. Oh, for real. Yo, wait, the, the ninjas. The ninjas. <laughs> so, 
so okay. And so about her. So along with that, my last one that I'll give, because I couldn't do just one. The last one I'll give, this is a random one. Do y'all remember in Jack and Daxter the mechanic chick named Kira? With the green hair. Who Jack was like, she was like trying to give Jack the ooey and he wouldn't with it. She said, if you bring me, if you bring me certain things, I can repair them. But that's not all I'm good for. And he straight curved her. I was like, yo, bro, hey, if you not with Jack, if you not with it, Jack, Jack. And Jack, we'll talk about nice later. You sure know your way around cars, Kira. I can handle tools, but that's not all I'm good at. Jack. <laughs> yeah, if you're not with it, dog, I'm with it. So, two two of my favorites right there, uh, all time. I know that's a random ass list, um, but oh, definitely good. Great. You brought out some ones I definitely forgot about. For sure, good ladies though. Yes, very tough ladies, very sexy ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And what's Having gone to school uh, for music, like a, a formal music education has provided me with a few tool sets that were translated well to sound design. Um, one of those is thinking formally. So uh, in music composition, when you're writing for, say, a stage performance, it's a sort of boxed-in environment, and you have a, a certain amount of time to perform something, and you think a lot about the form of um, what's going to happen over those, say, 5, 10, 15 minutes. And you think about pacing, you think about hit, you know, points where the music might change. Um, again, these are all fixed points to some degree, but um, those still, those principles carry over to sound design, especially if you're thinking about like a single sound effect. You know, does the beginning of the sound need to be loud or soft? Um, does it need to last three seconds or five seconds? Is it too long or too short? Mm-hmm. And what is the relationship of that to the rest of the sounds of the environment? And the sound design class I took also thought about, you know, it boiled it down to four points, essentially, with a single sound. Is It's the same thing as an, an envelope uh, that you might describe. So, you know, for people who might not know, sounds have an envelope to them, meaning they have a, an attack sound, um, a sustain component, a decay component, and a release component. And so all sounds have this, and you can shape that envelope, and it would shape the sound differently. So it might sound uh, sort of quiet and um, atmospheric, or it might sound like in the case of a glass break, might have a really um, percussive beginning and then a quick decay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know you can think about sounds that level, and depending upon what that sound uh, in the game needs, in this case, alien footsteps, you might think about well, what is the foot look like the physicality of that foot is it large compared to the rest of the body is it large compared to say a player you know are they meant to sound bigger than the player or smaller than the player do they move quickly or move slowly so those kinds of questions are the ones you start to ask when you when you work with a designer and okay we have a room full of these creatures there's there's 50 of them all right well we can't have 100 footsteps hitting the floor at the same time mm-hmm. for three three minutes. So you start to think, okay, well, we need, uh, maybe at any given time we maximize 10 of them and that's enough to populate the, the room to make it sound like there are lots without overwhelming the player since you also have to worry about 
um, let's say it's an action game, you have to worry about the weapon sounds and getting hit and your health bar and the user interface sounds. And there's also music happening. And then you also have the atmosphere of the room. Then there's also reverberations. So we want the room to reflect properly. And so you think about, it's an orchestration, you know, it's mixing. Um, you know, mixing, I think a lot is the same as orchestrating for an orchestra. Mm-hmm. You have to pick what is going to sound when and how important is which sound. So choosing all that is part of a sound designer's job. And if you're the only person on the team, that's you're, you're every person in the room. So um, if you're part of a large AAA company, maybe you have a team of three and four sound designers that are dealing with this and you all have to get on the same page about what's happening. So um, it's tricky, but the sound designer's role is, is sort of a puppet master in a lot of ways of choosing when things move and what they sound like. So, um, you, it's a lot of questions you have to ask at the beginning, but doing that investigative um, approach kind of will help you establish what your aesthetic might be and, and how you move forward in designing the game. Yes, yes. Very well put, man. Very well put. Um, sp- speaking on sound design and your experience, can you tell us about some of the games that you've done, maybe some titles that might ring a bell or some stuff that you were proud of. Um, (laughs) This is your time to gloat, so feel free to do so. Sure. Uh, Well, today is November 29th, and uh, last Monday, the 20th, um, my biggest project that I worked on came out called Battle Chef Brigade, which was released for Nintendo Switch and Steam. And uh, it's a, an Iron Chef meets fantasy game where the player has to go through um, a brigade. They want to become a battle chef in the brigade by competing against an opponent through cooking competitions. And you take the role of a young woman named Mina Han. She's 21. She works in her family restaurant, wants to get away from home and become a, you know, an illustrious battle chef. So she decides to run away, steals some money from her parents, and eventually works her way up through this brigade competition. And um, so my role in this game was to produce all the everything but the music. So there, we had a composer named Tom Duncan, who did a fantastic job. It was actually his first game he ever worked on, and I was surprised how well he did for that, considering his um, considering this is his first big project. So. Um, but I was in charge of all the sound effects, uh, the voiceover direction and editing. We had a fantastic voice cast. It's the biggest cast I ever worked with. And so we had, um, uh, we, I worked on it about three years. Wow. Uh, Whoa. And well, about a year and a half of that, I did nothing because the team was busy prototyping, but it, it was kind of stops and starts. Um, so with game development, it's it's a really gnarly process. And so this is an independent studio named Trinket Studios in Chicago that developed this game, which is these three guys that used to work at a company called Wide Load that they all um, uh, left and started this company together. They've been together about five years. And... They showed me uh, four years ago a picture on their phone of just a drawing of this, the, of the main character. And I saw the drawing and I said, I want to work on this game. <laughs> <laughs> and I had an audition for it, but eventually we, um, I, I got the gig and then um, started working on it. And we prototyped sound design. The creative director, Eric 
um, who did all the art in the game, which is it's gorgeous. Um, he was the art director. He had a lot of great artists with him, but he designed all the main characters. And he, he was very hands-on at first. He wanted to hear everything and critique everything. And um, everything was realistic sounding, you know, in the kitchen. So it's an anime, visual anime style with kind of a graphic novel approach. I mean, characters don't move. They kind of have these like positions um, and reactions to things. Um, but he didn't want anime sound effects, which is fine because I don't watch a ton of anime. But mm. um, uh, so we started doing some work in that. And he's like, I want everything to sound real, uh, you know, chopping and sizzling and cooking. And I want to sound like you're in a kitchen. And we did that. And it felt flat. You know, it felt like it was a flat environment. And we took some time off um, for a while because they were busy prototyping and they weren't sure of the direction the game was going. And then eventually they're like, okay, we're going to go to PAX, which is the Penny Arcade Expo, mm -hmm. and Boston, which is PAX East. And they said, we need some more sounds for that. And then Eric got really busy. <laughs> so he didn't have as much time to be as hands-on as he was. So I said, well, why don't I just try some stuff and see what happens? And um, I started just taking my own approach and putting it in the game. And they were, were very happy with this. And I went with a much more vibrant um, fantastic kind of sound design. So we kept some cooking sounds. We have frying and boiling and some sort of gloopy sounds um, in mm -hmm. pots and things, which gave it some, so it kept its hand in the real world. But everything else, like it's a match three approach with um, a brawler style uh, ingredient gathering component. And they married these two together. And so they, um, let me just kind of do my own thing. And the more I went this direction, the more it made sense for the world. And part of that is, you know, just, again, it's just like experimental approach. You have to just try things to see when they work and it doesn't always make logical sense. It's kind of an intuitive process, but um, eventually we discovered that this was, this is the way to go. And so I just kind of extrapolated from there, the audio in the game. But um, so they took a, between that PAX um, Expo and, the next one, uh, they were pretty much went on lockdown and they spent a ton of time trying various versions of the game. It wasn't working, it wasn't working until they eventually watched uh, like a cooking competition show and they were like, oh, okay, nobody's really explored this genre before in games to great effect. So they really wanted to get the competition part and the improvisational part, which is the most important aspect of that. Right. So, right. so you're not necessarily making a recipe. You're just kind of trying things. And then eventually something comes out of it and you win the game, you win matches by getting the greatest total and appeasing to the judges. So there's this component where you cook the meal, you present it to the judges and their preferences and required ingredients will uh, grant you their points um, or deduct points, depending upon what you present to them. So uh, once they had that done, then it was, okay, cool, now we can move full ahead. So the last year was probably the busiest time for me. And they were just adding content quickly. So <laughs> I had to really keep pace. And then in the last about two months of development, they're like, we need voiceover. Um, they did Kickstarter three years ago that was successful. Then they got picked up by Adult Swim Games, then they got some money, and that was oh. a big... They got some money to uh, hire some voice talent. And we had from the Kickstarter about 90 people 
who just unsolicited, who sent unsolicited applications. They were like, George, you go through these 90 people, <laughs> find oh, out, man. find out which ones are good. And so I picked about 20, 25. And then I, um, they picked 13 or so from that bunch that we then reached out to and offered, um, a chance to play these characters. So we had to do no auditions whatsoever, which was uh, a kind of a necessary part of this since we are a small group and we didn't have a lot of time or money. Mm-hmm. And turns out it ended up being that most of these folks worked in anime. And I, did, I don't, didn't know these actors. There's a few I knew that I recommended um, from my own projects I worked on and that they really liked and made it in. But the majority of them we had never met. And they turned out to be just really great um, contributors to the game. So it was a long process. Um, It's amazing it got released. The fact that any games come out is amazing. So uh, just the amount of work that goes into developing the game, marketing the game, and then supporting it once it's out is just mind-boggling to me. And the three of them had to bear the brunt of that work but they needed help marketing, which is why um, over years of conversation with Adult Swim, they eventually partnered with them and they were an amazing partner. So that's that's my latest release and biggest title I've worked on. That's crazy, uh, man. That's crazy. Adult Swim picked that up. That's crazy. <laughs> um, I trust the Adult Swim brand. So this game might be <laughs> this game might be worthy of a pickup, man. This is hey. this is pretty dope. Yeah, it's been out for a week and a half. Um, the reviews have been really great. Um, and I've been very pleased with the reception of the voice acting. A lot of people have been very excited about the voice acting. Um, the writing has been great. They brought in a writer from Adult Swim. She was a QA tester in-house for them and also does writing. And I think this is her first major game that she's worked on and she knocked it out of the park. Um, there's lots of funny moments and really great just quips between characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you like cooking shows, if that's the thing you get into, and if you like um, brawling type games, uh, this is a great place to explore that. Um, it's a pretty short game. You could get it through it probably between 10 and 15 hours. And then there's a daily leaderboard challenge that allows you to um, work with a prescribed set of dishes and um, bonus items. So you can't choose what your loadout's going to be. You just get these things and you have to do the best you can. Wow, okay. Um, so the stakes are a little higher there. And then eventually you uh, see how you did in relationship to other players. So um, I believe there are plans for DLC after. There are two storylines in the game that happen concurrently, but we do want to explore other characters as well. So um I'm hoping that we can continue to work together. They're a fantastic team to work with, and I'm sure you know this, but finding good people to work with is um, invaluable. And, and yeah, you don't want to let go of those people. For sure, man. Big shout out to Trinket Studios and Adult Swim. That's really, really, really cool that uh, that this this game and its all this all of its uniqueness has has come to fruition, especially with uh. Sounds like the internal battles you guys were having over over direction and stuff. So I think it's dope that this actually made it out. And from the gameplay kind of s- videos that I've seen, it looks really cool. Um, more like that brawler style, but then also um, 
I can't think of a game like it. Um, there's a lot of games that do it, but like you said, like almost like that storyboard cutscene style um, play, which I think is is cool. It's not like fully animated. It gives it a different uh, different feel. Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky because you know I think you have to think about you know when you're a developer what your resources are, and then based on that you can make a style out of something. So it goes back to that earlier part of the conversation where your limited technical resources and human resources will provide you a sandbox in which you can create something different. If you have too many things in front of you, um, it can be overwhelming and you don't know where to start or stop. So um, I think that's a benefit to indie developers is having limited resources. You get these opportunities to create something really different and fun. So that being said, man, who who we gonna kick it to next? Um, let's go because I know Garcia Garcia gonna close this off really nicely and give us every girl of all yeah. time. So let me let me go ahead and kick it to X because X hasn't really um, said much after losing two K. I know you still salty. Um, so let's um, damn man, let's kick it on. to X and uh, <laughs> what, what you got in the, in the crates, player? I mean, honestly, I haven't really played any games like lately with any uh, like women protagonist so i'm gonna kind of really go off of just i guess like all time really uh but i mean i guess the one i'm anticipating is ellie just because she's grown up so i'm kind of yeah uh, interested in that story that dynamic like i want to see you know how she's changed you know because you remember in the first one she was very timid and you know she was um still just very like kiddish you know like she didn't understand the world like she was still kind of like accepting those situations so i just want to see like you know mentally like has she changed you know is she more you know cold-hearted or, or what so I, i'm interested with that one so i would definitely put her on my list what are you doing kiddo you really gonna go through with this i'm gonna find and i'm gonna kill every last one of them Uh, from a lot of blogs and shit I was reading on like earlier before we got on, it seemed like a lot of people put Wonder Woman on here, which uh, I guess, you know, with the movie blowing up and then when Injustice coming out, I know she's had a big year, so I, I definitely seen Wonder Woman. Um, I would probably also put Harley Quinn on it. I think mm. just coming from the, the Suicide Squad, uh, you know, her character, yeah. you know, her background got a little bit more attention. And then two, uh, I've, 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 I've played an Injustice and I think I like how they how how they did the character, you know, that just kind of made her more just psycho crazy, you know, just like fucking fuck, you know, just fucking shit up. Batman says you're coming with me. You dare mock me, child. You dare mock me, child. Nice outfit. Yours is just all right. Take that back. Straight anarchy. Which I think is kind of cool because a lot of times, you know, you don't really see that um, type of trait from a, a woman character. You know, normally in video games, that's always like a man type of character. You know, the man is normally the psycho. And you don't really uh -huh. get to see that from a, like a woman's perspective or, or you know. So I'll probably add that. Her I'll character definitely it. got some popularity this uh, coming yeah, year. Yeah, for sure. W which I like because a lot of people I feel like they never really knew about Harley Quinn. A lot of people didn't really know, you know, that she was the Joker psychiatrist originally at the asylum, and then he ended up basically 
you know, fucking her up in the Chop morning. that ass down. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> said, girl, you know you love crazy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell no. She came hey, around. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. right. You right. <laughs> Get you some of this psychotic meat. Come on. Yeah. Hey. You know, even though I know What did they say about the crazy cares. ones? What did they say? <laughs> um... I'm just the saying. movie had her probably what like a like an anarchist like an anarch, anarchy anarchy tongue twisted over here, but yeah. <laughs> okay, and then I'll probably say all time. I'm gonna probably go with Christy from Dead or Alive. Probably change it up Ooh, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, wow, y'all, y'all remember Christy? Wow. She was the assassin, yes, the black one. The, uh, or, uh, no, she was. Uh, no, no, no. She was from the UK. She had the white and silver hair, hair, and she had yeah. the uh, black leather, like the black leather uh, kind of Catwoman type of suit on in a way. But yeah, and she had that snake fighting style. That was the reason I put her on the list. Like that snake fighting style, man, that shit was so fun. She had hands on that game, like hands. She still ass up so fast. And like all her moves, you remember she had like a lot of um submission moves or moves where she would like break your neck or you know, like that, like just assassin type of shit. Like I love I loved her fighting style, but that would probably be my favorite character like all time. Just me thinking of just like playing a game. Like I love the Dead or Alive series, so I'll probably go with Christy. Mm. Okay. Mm. Off of Dead or Alive, my chick was that the one black girl, the, she was a, like a Mexican wrestler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about. What was the uh, girl from Ninja Gaiden, though? Not the one with the purple mm-hmm. hair, but the one that wore the blue outfit. That could, like, do a Kasumi, my, that's my yeah, DOC Ninja Girl. That is yeah. my team ninja girl, Kasumi. She had that the little dagger. Looks, she had the she, little dagger she yeah. could cut your ass up with. And she, she was like an instant transmission. She would knife hand the shot of your guts too if you let her. That fucking yeah. uh, that fucking uh well at the time it was an Xbox, so it was it was XXX Triangle X. She would <laughs> she would stab you in the gut, stab you in the gut, kick you up, stab you in the gut, spin and kick you in the head. I was like <laughs> <laughs> Yo word. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Well, congrats on that. That is huge. Thank uh, you. Again, Battle Chef Brigade, if you guys are listening, make sure you guys at least go watch some gameplay videos. It's really cool to see how everything came together. And you describing the the action in the kitchen, um, I'm appreciative of the fact that things were realistic in the beginning and then developed to something a little bit more different. I can appreciate that, um, that things weren't <laughs> like overly cartoony. So like yeah. you know, um, I mean, overly cartoony can work for some things, but I'm I'm appreciative that you guys actually went in and said let's make this sound not like because then it would have felt like just a glorified iPhone app or mm-hmm. iPhone game, and I'm I'm glad you guys didn't take that route. So I'm really excited to hear and see how everything came together. And again, congrats on on such a big placement, man. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, surreal to be at this point. Um, you know, years and years of, of work and just trying to cultivate good relationships and spending time, uh, just being a good person with other people, (laughs) uh, is paying off. And so, um, I'm really grateful to give you the opportunity to work with them. So it was, it was just, uh, a very fortunate set of circumstances that turned out to be, um, a much bigger snowball than, than when it started down the hill. So, uh, just lucky and, and happy about that. So cool, man. So cool. Well, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time, man. Um, I think this has been great. 
just talking sound design and and helping people to understand the things that go into from a sound standpoint, from an audio standpoint, goes into these games. Um, is there any advice that I mean, you, you've given a lot, but is there any advice you would give to anyone listening who might have aspirations of doing this? Oh, sure. There's tons of advice. Um, well, I'll start with one thing real quick. If people have you know specific questions or concerns, I actually started um, on my website, which is soundslikegeorge.com. I have a section called Ask George, and you can go there and just send a question in about whatever you'd like regarding sound design. So if you have career goals or um, we want to talk about sound design, the discipline, or just recording burps, which is, again, you know, important in my history. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I welcome people to reach out. I think it's really important to create a, an environment where people can ask questions, however stupid they might seem, even though they're not. You know, just any questions should be asked in order to find out where you need to go next. So I'm open to that. Um, but... Uh, as we, you and I have been talking about, it's, it, I'd say have patience with yourself, have patience with other people, um, practice your craft uh, as often as you can. But um, I had a, a professor gave me some good advice. He said, uh, you have to make music, you have to make a living, and you have to make a life. So don't let one of those consume the other completely. And make sure you live a good balanced life in order to um, obtain the goals that you want to seek out. That's hey, that's really good advice. Cause I've seen guys kill themselves over trying to make the audio dreams come to life. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's not worth it in the end. That is and, crazy. That's crazy to me that people would do that. But you know, I, I understand it. If you have some grinding to do before you can start living life for sure. There's oh, yeah, about I, balance I, though. I, it's hard work, but um, don't let it uh, don't let it eat you. Right. I want to talk real quick um, before I let you go. I got to talk about these sound libraries because not only do you do the sounds for um, you know the game itself, but there's this business um, kind of like beat making where. Be, uh, producers will sell you snares and kicks and certain sounds that they've sampled. You do that same thing, but from a sound design for post-production kind of aspect where you're selling um, just weird sounds or a collection of sounds. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. This is a relatively new experience for me. I started it last year in 2016 with just one library called uh, Squeaky Toys. I just bought like 19 different squeaky toys. My, you know, I have a dog, so she gets to play with them. And um, I just asked a question of, can you buy just squeaky toys, but a comprehensive number of them? So you can find them on like SoundSnap or, um, uh, or other websites that sell them Audio Jungle as single sound effects. But what if you want a bunch of different squeaky toy sound effects? You know, it's a huge demand for them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also just wanted to get started recording audio and getting that discipline down, which is a big part of uh, sound design. So uh, I just got into a, a padded room. Um, you know, it was kind of damp sound where we would record VO and recorded squeaky toys. I got 19 of, the, 19 of them together, uh, 180 different sound files of shaking and stomping on them and things like that. 
and decided to um, make my first venture into selling that as a sound effect. And then a good uh, six or seven months went by and I sold a few copies here and there and I wasn't expecting to make you know a ton of money doing this, but um, it's just me asking questions about audio and finding out if people are interested in it. And it's a way for me to just tinker. So my goal in doing these sound libraries is to experiment, um, put together a cohesive package of them, and then put it out there to see what the reaction is. And from there, I started creating a few different other ones. I did a whole package of um, user interface sounds that were recordings of my voice, and that one's called Human Interface. Mm. Um, and so it's like me popping my lips and making, you know, just acting like a kid, basically, in front of a, a microphone. Um, again, I'm telling you, all these things go back to when I was eight years old. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I just took some sounds. I took the squeaky toys, took some of my mouth sounds, and then um, put them into um, a granular synthesizer and and edited those and created something called Strange Moods, which is, um, there's 69 files that loop. They have different purposes. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily tell people what they're for. I just kind of want to put it out there and see pe- what people do with them. Um, and then I did another round of mouth sounds and made a whole library of just like a mouth fart sounds and had fun with that. Um, and then I just decided to do a free one called My Phone's on Vibrate. And I just took my phone and put it on lots of different services in my house. And then in iPhone, you can create your own vibration pattern. If you go to like a sub menu and you can tap on a on the screen, there's a touchpad and you can create your own pattern of vibrations. So I just did this pattern and put it all around the house, like under clothes, on the keyboard, um, on the glass table. And I put that out as a free library, just like 17 sounds. So it's just a, a method um, for me to practice recording, practice sound design in a very concentrated environment without the concern of a third party mm-hmm. um, you know, dictating what to do. So I, I think it's just part of just doing your craft. And then turns out a lot of people um, like the human interface library. And they found, I, I'm guessing a lot of people found some use for that. Not a lot of people like the fart library, which is <laughs> surprising to me. But <laughs> but it's a way for me to learn about, you know, what the market is for this. And, it, and just without uh, a, a lot of costs sunk into it. Um, you know, I have a hand recorder. I'm going to invest more money into a field recorder next year. And start getting out there and maybe recording some weird motors for, you know, um, tractors or cars. Or maybe Ooh. I'll record my 06 Corolla that I have in my driveway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, you know, the SoundFix libraries are a way for just to uh, just try things out and see what's out there. I think that's also an important part of being a sound designer is just experimenting with the audio and seeing what you can make without any... Um, without any goal at the end other than to just create. So having that, scratching that itch for me is is a good way to practice the craft and then discover new techniques that maybe I didn't otherwise without it hurting any project I'm working on. And then the benefit of that is to um, carry that forward to other developers. You know, they get the benefit of that experience without me having cost them anything. So um, it basically just opens up your wheelhouse of, of skills. Yes, yes. And and some of these are oddly useful. The phone vibrate would be oddly, oddly useful just for, <laughs> I can think of just a, a couple different things, just undertones for certain things or 
um, you know, scenes in movies and things like that. I think it's, it, it's sound design. You don't know what you need until you need it. Right. And then you exactly might it. never need it again. Like, but you need a very specific sound. You know what it sounds like, but you can't find it. I think you've made those libraries. I think that's why <laughs> they're so like the. I can definitely see why the human interface would be useful. Um, and, it's, and to be honest, I use it myself on lots of things because I know it's there. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that would work for you know this random thing um, that I'm working on for no reason. It's not even a user interface sound. It may be part of um, a transition in a video, or I want like something wishy, but I also want it to be kind of weird. So um, that's the approach I, I take with a lot of sound design. Is just I just kind of throw stuff to. If I'm stuck, I just throw a sound at um, an event and see if it works. And maybe it gets me a little closer, or maybe it solves the problem. But, but I appreciate you being on board with me just throwing it out there and you saying, you know what, I'm the person that's... <laughs> I'm trying to fill in some cracks here and there. Just- <laughs> Yo, that is so awesome. Um, well, hey, man, do you have any uh, shout-outs? I know you shouted out your website. Um, where can people find you on like social media and other things like that? Sure. Uh, I'm... Not so much on Facebook anymore. That's a, sometimes is just not a fun scene to be around. However, I am ironically on Twitter, which is just as toxic <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> depending on who you're surrounded by. But I am mostly on Twitter. Um, I'm at gr huffnagel. That's h u f is in Frank, and is it Nancy a g l gr huffnagel, and. Um, Again, I invite you to reach out to me anytime to just talk. You know, I'm really big on community. Corey, we'd love to have you at a game audio event sometime. I just started doing these again um, in Chicago. So I uh, look out for a group on Facebook called the Midwest Game Audio. Okay. Okay. Um, Corey, you're welcome to join us, please. there are people who live in Chicago, Madison, Wisconsin, Iowa, just the Midwest. Um, people ask questions. They offer opportunities professionally when they arise. And um, so check that out. But through that group, I am going to organize another event in January for um, a game audio hangout. People just, it's a casual hangout, not a business hangout. So mm. you don't have to bring your business cards, but just a good way to get to know people in the community and see what people are up to. And, um, you know, if you have questions, find out what's going on in the city and in other places. That's really dope. We all like good communities to be a part of. So that's dope. That yeah, is dope. We, we'd like lots of folks to come. And um, what I'm, I'm seeing now more is Chicago. What I like about Chicago, people are very frank. They're very honest. Um, they're just practical Midwest people. I think, the winters pro- provide that and require that of you a lot of times, just be a hearty person. But um, what I've been seeing a lot more of is lots of different kinds of people getting the audio, which has been really great to see. And more people just coming together to share what they're working on. And it's really cool to hear people's perspective about what their concerns are and where they want to go professionally. So, um, yeah, Midwest Game Audio. Okay, okay. I will definitely shoot you guys. Um, a join, let me join request. Um, 
and and you know once we're off air we'll get all connected and stuff like that but i just want to make sure you give the guys and gals who listen to this an opportunity to check you out maybe get some of these um sound um libraries that you're doing so sounds like george.com make sure you guys go check them out um and thank you man thank you for for joining the game from the gamers podcast um anytime you you know if you ever get into ps4 if you want to come game with us feel free to do that as well man thank you very much and uh i'm a nintendo switch person currently uh with a daughter it's hard to find any time to play games but when i do it's on the switch because it's mobile that worked out for me but i definitely love playstation and uh would love an opportunity to hang out with you guys for sure for sure um george thank you man it's been a pleasure Corey, no thank you (laughs) (laughs) honestly yeah i love i love talking to other people and i appreciate the opportunity Word. Are we? Are we? Picks, um, man. Oh my God. Yeah. Are we passing right, it to um, the king yet? Yes. Yeah. It's my turn. Oh, uh, honestly, my top pick was Tiffa. I'm surprised you picked that, Daryl. That's that was a good pick. But it's fine. Besides <laughs> <laughs> her, I did want to give a shout out to Nadine because she like she just like a normal. Not a normal chick, but she seemed so fucking realistic. She's smart, intelligent, powerful, and don't look crazy. Her proportions ain't fucking crazy. She like a normal, like, tough girl. And I like that. Um, but my chicks is probably quiet from Metal Gear Solid. I had that on mm. there. Mm. She's bad. She's bad. Um, lady from Devil May Cry. The story goes that Sparta served as the feudal lord of the city long ago. The people who live there today take these legends as truth and worship them, just like a god. They worship a demon as a god? Peaceful worship can't be condemned. But the real problem is the order. Lately, they've been really remember her. Alone. She had black hair and she was like, Ooh, white suits and shit. Lady she nice. guns. Yeah, and I was thinking Cindy from Final Fantasy XV. First, to pay my respects. Oh, great garage, home to our goddess of the gears. Thank you. Is that the prince I see? Cindy? You're not supposed to. Just on one of my early morning hikes. Girls gotta stay fit, you know. Ain't it beautiful up here? One of my favorite spots. What are y'all doing here? Us all? Oh, yeah, well, well, you see. Hmm, looks like you could use a hand. I don't know if y'all looked her up, but she like a mechanic. So, you know, she obviously handy like in that way, but also she's like really cool and like bubbly and shit and just sexy as hell. So I was like, uh, that's a pretty good pick. But uh, yeah, it really wasn't that big a list. I feel like for girls this year, we had Aoli or whatever from, um, what you call it? Um, damn, I can't think of the damn name. Um, the one damn game where you fight robots and shit. You got it, Daryl. I can't. Uh, not hey, oh, oh, my, oh, that's my other girl, man. Aloy from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. And that was, oh, mm, yeah, that was yeah. one of the women issue that was released, and she was not overly sexualized. Um, no, her not armor at all. made sense. It was one of those games where the better your armor was, the more of her body it covered up, which it <laughs> goes against t- typical video game logic. And I like the fact that she also, too, was like. Uh, she didn't have any crazy um, hiccups 
as far as her character, um, she was just a woman, and a, she just she was a woman and a hero. That's it. Mm-hmm. There was there wasn't like she's a hero, but she's a woman. She's a woman, but she's a hero. <laughs> no, she's a woman and she's a hero. That's it. Since I was anointed a seeker, now open the gate. You, a seeker, have Tissa and Jezza gone insane? Bad enough that they let you run in the proving. But to nurse you back to health inside the sacred mountain? <sighs> no wonder a curse is upon us and children lie dead under cairns of stone. How can you be so heartless? I fought beside those children, shoulder to shoulder and back to back. I saw them fall. I love the fact that if they didn't even play on the fact that she was a woman too much. Other than the fact that I, as me being a, you know, a male gamer, I felt weird when like I'm playing a heterosexual female and I, I have dudes hitting on me. I'm like, this is what it feels like to be a girl yeah. gamer. Holy shit. I was like yeah. super uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> this, dude to, uh-uh. this dude shooting his shot. I'm like, oh, wait, oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, wait, I am a girl and I'm pretty. Holy shit. Uh, oh, you know, what, you know what game made me feel awkward about playing with a girl? It actually should be obvious if you listen to the podcast. Motherfucking life is strange. All right, I did oh, not yeah. want to be in the shoes yeah. of a 16-year-old girl. I felt real uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that game was for us, but the storyline was so dope, it, you couldn't help but to play yeah. it. Yeah, it was a, good game. It was a really good story. story. Yo! How the fuck I get blew up? I have oh, no, no clue. That was Corey yet again. No, this? that wasn't. Somebody that was threw a grenade over what here. Who did this what? shit? Okay, sorry. Can I say, uh, yeah. fucking Ripley from Aliens, or does she count as a real person? <laughs> that's a real person. That's a real person. Uh, yeah, that's it's a real. game too, though, man. Who did this? I want to know who did this. Uh, me and my brother did. How's me and my brother did? <laughs> How did y'all get up there? That's um, my question. I, said, I got a, I got a question uh, for the, for the, for the video game Babe Master Garcia. Um, oh my god. Why not any of the Overwatch characters? For you, I'm not too familiar with them. Okay, that's that's the only I reason. I know Tracer is pretty hot, but like besides yeah, that, I really don't. I see her name, Garcia. I think um, they have like, She got a lot of hype because they had her booty all out, like on a taunt or some shit. Niggas was mad because she was overly sexualized, but it's like not really. Niggas was just kind of reaching for real, for real. I think mm. they wanted her to be like, I don't know, a character unsexualized at all. But she was like. Oh. Why? <laughs> like in the skin tight suit. I don't know. I, I, it was like a real, like a fiasco about how she was portraying herself. But I guess girls do want like more stronger characters, which is why I kind of brought up this topic to begin with to see like I, how are they being properly represented. And I feel like it's getting a little better these days for sure. Way better than the '90s. And Duke Nukem, man, you just out here tipping bitches. You know, on titties and shit. Babies. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot Come less on, objectifying man. going on these days, I feel like. Um, it's still sex sells, though, you know, but I feel like it's a, it's a little more thought out these days. It's rare that a game is just coming out and it's just like titties, nigga. San Rancagra, but actually, that's a game. Like, it's pretty fun, though, if you just ignore the titties. But you I'm can't kidding. do it. I tried. You can't do it. Don't let these people. Don't fool these people, Garcia. This game what? is for pervs. Don't it play not, that game, man. man. Play that, that shit. That is the icky toasting of video games, man. If you see Sin Rencock, pick that shit <laughs> and put it back the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> you lifting weights. <laughs> oh.
He said, man, it was too much. <laughs> it was too much, man. It was too much. I couldn't deal. <laughs> Yo, if you if you ignore the titties, it's just Dynasty Warriors. Um, the titties make it better, in my opinion. But I think I think that uh since the nineties was crazy with video games and over sexualization for sure, I think in today's world, um, People still want to be respectful of women while still allowing them to be sexy. Because if we if we start putting duckheads in all the games, like women would be mad. Like, why is all the women characters got pimples and no makeup on? And like, I think there would be something to it. So like, just like male characters are sexualized and their muscles is hanging out and stuff like that, we also have this want or need to have sexualization to some degree of women as well. Like, we we want the women to look you know, attractive or not even attractive, like presentable or like fierce or, you know what I'm saying? So put a little makeup on them, just like with a dude, like, you know, cut the arms off the shirt real quick, show the biceps and the tattoos. Like, ain't nothing wrong with it, man. Like, I think we've moved in that direction, especially when they downsize lower cross titties. I feel like that was the... I yeah. think also, too, though, man, I think a lot of it has to do, like, society's different. Like, women are in a different space. And I think now, like, then it's just like you gotta just respect it you know what i mean I, so i think that has a lot to do with it too at least that's just in my opinion i feel like we're seeing women doing a little bit more stuff like even from yeah. a um i don't want to say violent perspective i guess more of like a i guess roles that are traditionally like for men like you know i think this year maybe last year we had like the first women that were special forces so it's like now it's like you know, you can inspire other girls to be like, hey, you can do this shit, too, by, you know, making them badass protagonists in video games. So like you said, traditionally, we're used to always seeing the male as the as the hero of the story, you know, so. It's just, right. Uh, and how, I mean, and I know that shit got to weigh on, on ladies' minds, though. Like, why the fuck is it always some dude saving me, man? Like, it would weigh on me if, like, every single game, the fucking black character die. Or, you know, like, I'd be thinking about shit. Or why the fuck is every, why aren't there more, like, male black leads you know like that, that shit weighs on you so i know they got to be feeling it like why are these white uh, why, not white wow why are these like you know ladies in these games bimbos and shit you know i'll be sorry as fuck if it was like that you know so i think, I think too I, know, I was gonna say i think too bro like i always play now uh, especially with rpgs like i'll choose a uh woman character i'll make my character like a woman i think you do that sometimes Corey. also too oh, just yeah. to see how the game changes also too like you said yeah. so you can kind of experience it from like like a woman's point of view like me playing fallout uh, I'll have Corey laughing, but I've been playing uh, with a woman, and she's more of like a rogue type. But you know, how Fallout is like it adjusts to your character's body. Mm -hmm. So you know, me being like a little woman that's like five two and like one, you know, maybe one ten. You know, those mutants and shit be fucking her up. <laughs> she's little as hell. So it's like I be having to find ways, you know, to kill people differently based off of like her size. You know, like I mean, it has its pros and its cons too, though. You know. <laughs> Mm. gotta talk talk through <laughs> yeah sure. that's what i'm saying like i use the i use the i use the sex appeal as a as a strength it's crazy because you know, real more charismatic. Charismatic. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, more charismatic and that's not a weakness you know what i mean I, it's not no, a weakness not. at all it's not you know i think sometimes you know i think i've, I've heard people at work say that sometimes and it's kind of annoying it's like oh like she she got that far because she's attractive like no she realized that I'm attractive and I'm smart and men men fall for this shit. You know what I mean? Men eat that shit up. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, why wouldn't you use it? To me, that makes her smart and strong. Like, it makes you right. smart and strong. That's, you use your mind. That, that's the equivalent even, of, like, of Corey being, being as tall as he is. And if you get into a fight, he tried to squat down and fight at that nigga level. Like, Corey's a six foot four man. Why yeah. are you not boxing this dude? Like, or picking him this up man, and just slamming him. You know what I mean? right. like, yeah. what? <laughs> you used to what is your advantage. Like to me, that makes you that makes you strong. That makes you lethal. Like there's a million different strengths out there. So that's just kind of what I was thinking. Cause I was reading an article, uh, I think last week, and it was like a woman who's a you know startup company in IT or something. But in summary, she slept with a dude that was an angel investor or whatever, and like she got paid off the shit. And then like later on in her life, like she was you know feeling some type of way because her friends were like, well, you shouldn't have did that or whatever. And then later on, she's like, no, nah, fuck that, like. I use my attractiveness as a strength, and I got what I want. Like men do shit all the time, so like, why yep. can't a woman do it? Yep. I was like, you know what? Like, shit, I respect that. Like, now you got a profitable business in Silicon Valley because I you juiced the dude. You know what I mean? Like, you gave you you basically <laughs> got the teeth and got the bread. Like, who won out of that situation? It's, it's smart, but at the same time, I feel like these ladies be preying on weak weak minded dudes. Like, and you know, there ain't nobody fault but the guy for falling for it. But I still don't. I mean, I don't. I don't condone that shit. Manipulate. I don't know. It's just. I look. I look. I look. I, all I'm saying. I'm just. I'm. All I'm saying is. I. Don't, I, I think it's cool to now just see women use their attractiveness as a strength within like a strategic, like logical way. Like to. I. You know what I mean. That's all I'm saying. Like. They've been doing that. Yeah. Man. So why not well. put it in the game? <laughs> and then Nicole Smith. Yeah, they've been doing it. It's just been yeah. I guess I now. guess I guess I'm Some I guess I'm saying it the wrong way. I guess I'm saying it the wrong way. Not not. I'm saying they're doing it in a in a different traditional light. Like they're doing it in more professional ways that people respect. I guess that's the best way to put it. Like instead of just being a typical like vixen, you know what I mean? Like you're seeing people women do it in actual like profession. I mean, if you don't be a hoe, you might as well be a fucking. A, an effective one. I wouldn't just be fucking and not making. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. But I don't want to necessarily call a chick a hoe either, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. I ain't saying that either. I'm just you saying. Fucking a lot. You hoeing? I mean, do the girl. What <laughs> we doing? That's all. That's all I'm saying. If you doing it, yeah, I mean, we call it. Dude, girl, in between, it don't matter. I mean, I bro, I went through my hoeing stage and I own that shit. I was a hoe, nigga. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I've been I think we all was sure, at some yeah. point. Like you gotta try some shit, but I mean, you gotta realize you be ruining niggas' lives and shit if you go too far with that. Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe even your own if you ain't careful. True story, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I enjoyed that though. Um, conversation on you know some of these gamer babes that we like, man. We'll, we'll have to dive not not now, so don't nobody get hyped and get the oh, but we'll dive into anime babes as well. Um, although anime babes is just all titties. Like if you put all the titties of an anime babe on a plate, it wouldn't fit. Wouldn't fit on the plate. Wow. Too much titties. I challenge you. I actually, uh, I challenge you, Corey, to check out a, a YouTube page called FGB, and uh, my boy Lance <laughs> will uh, definitely debunk that statement. <laughs> this not the, this not this not the platform to do it on right now. I just I just challenge you. Uh, it's called FGB. It literally stands for Fine Game Bitches. That's actually a little mantra at the beginning of this. Fine Game Bitches. Hey, no prom- we're not promoing this nigga, man. To continue, man. We're not promoing okay. yeah. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> We're not promoing this nigga. trying to alienate the whole, like, nah, nah. I don't, I don't think he would. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you know, he anyway, got to put him on this shit, though. He was, uh, but oh, yeah, he man. was, uh, he, um, he, he, he'll debunk that because he actually had a whole segment talking about uh t versus t versus a 
and he had a video game episode of it and a video game uh a video game episode and an anime episode of it so yeah, check oh, that shit out it might might uh might open your eyes to a couple characters that that do got the cheeks they, they got cakes uh i guess Yo. asian dudes are starting to like cakes now over there so if it's tna with girls wait what is it for guys biceps what? and chest know. muscles and ass what is, what is and shoulders on his cast man I don't, know. I don't know i think pecs and biceps bro I you guess. think that's the first thing girls look for i don't think so i think I, it's I butt but is universal oh, no. No, on both no, sides. No, I think it's butt bank, too. Bank account. It's bank Go account. in there and get Jillian on, and quit playing. Nah, man. It's it is. No homo, no homo, no homo. Like, girls look at it's dudes' asses. Definitely. Like, they definitely look at dudes' asses. Like, they do. Yeah. Butt yeah. cheeks is universal. Know, uh, shit. Yeah, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But <laughs> we, we men, like we, uh, we for us, it's weird. So niggas don't think about it. But women, like niggas, I'm not gonna see mine. Like <laughs> I'm gonna be beyond you. <laughs> <laughs> this dude. Yeah, I think it's it's but, mostly uh, just the overall physique of the muscles. The upper body strength is definitely important. But if you ain't got no legs, I apparently like legs in 2017. Is, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, niggas just out here just just cool as fuck. If you don't feel confident in yourself, how you think a girl gonna feel confident? Yeah, charisma, charisma, charisma sells a lot for guys. Charisma's, oh yeah, I mean girls too. Out there. Oh, I, I don't know. I feel like too much charisma in a girl could be like dangerous. I guess for a guy too, because you could turn people off because you might seem like unattainable. Like man, this nigga not gonna talk to me, or or this girl not gonna talk to me. She like on a whole man, that, other level. No, that's that's that to you. That's the. That's up to the, the self confidence of the target or at the target. Yeah. Wow, wow! <laughs> Yo, post production, to the target, to the target. Taking the bogey down. Anyway, no, I think that has to do with the the confidence of the person you're talking to, man. Like, it's not really about like. Being being very charismatic, like if someone can't handle your your charisma level, man, like they just that's can't on handle them. You. That's on yeah. them. That's not on you. It's, it's not it's not on you to dumb yourself down for somebody else just to make right. yourself seem approachable. Yeah. Like especially when you haven't given them any reason to think that you you know you're unapproachable. You're just very personable, and they they're turned off by that. That's on them, man. That's not the type of person you want around you any damn way. True. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you yeah, that's a good point, dog. You got different people that match up with different people. That's the best. That's right. the best way to put it. You know what I mean? Like I know some right. dudes that like chicks that are more assertive and a little bit, you know, got a little bitchiness to them, maybe, and just a little bit more assertive. Like they like, eh. like I know me and Corey have got them combos. He's like, bro, like you be loving these assertive ass chicks, but I'm like, bro, I'm such an asshole. Like I gotta talk to a assertive girl. Like I need, <laughs> like, I can't do, I can't do girls that are like weak. Like and they get they cry and every, at everything like that. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Legs. Like, yeah, man, I don't know. My like, feelings. Let's think of something. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, I just I'm being I'm just shooting straight. Like, I ain't hurt I me. I'm not being malicious. You know, I, I can't do the weak girls. So I feel it. I like charisma. I like charismatic woman. Yeah, I do too. I like a tough girl. I think I said that before too, though, man. I like a girl who can handle shit and then at the same time, you know, still be a lady too. Like, <laughs> you know, like. I guess this might be a lot to ask, but I don't know. I try to do the same myself, be a strong individual, but also a gentleman too. You know, and I, I kind of expect that from my partner. Right, right. I'm oh, with, I, I'm with Chad. I just, I just sling it out and let the booty cheeks clap. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hold up, that I'm is not the end of the Wait episode. 
How did I get involved? <laughs> because because that's a direct quote. Oh, this. That's that's a direct quote. Slated cheeks. He's all these in. Wow. Jesus. Damn, man, I was I was really gaming just now. He fucked me up. I was got killed. Wait, what? Nigga, wait a minute. I'm just a fucking sleeve bag like that. Listening to this. Fucking. Wait, hold on. He's talking to these hoes. Like, come on, man. For the listeners, man, that's not how I really am. No, that is not how it is at all. That's not how I really am. Not at all. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) But this nigga Chad be blueking cheeks out here. Damn. Come on, man. Damn. He put that boy on blast. He don't have to go back. His phone probably blowing up. Yeah, you I'll be looking at I'll be looking at Chad like man nigga, who's Deron? Nigga, shut the fuck up, Daryl. Don't say <laughs> else, man. Matter of fact, you ain't going out no more with me, man. You are banned. You are now banned. <laughs> man, I feel like this is a great time, Corey, to add one of my funny friend stories. Like this topic fits it so so okay, well, Do I have to bleep names? Oh, I'm not even gonna say the name. I'm gonna let you guess the name, and then you can bleep out the name. But anyway, in, in summary, because it's the holiday, so it's all fun. But in college, I had a friend that gave both girls uh, presents for Christmas, but this nigga gave these uh, the girls the wrong presents, like with their names on it. Even though he got them both the same gift, he got them the same gift. He got them the same gift, but he put the wrong names on. Who do you think that was? Uh, was it the man from the last episode we had to bleep his goddamn name out? Nah, it wasn't a football player. Oh man, then it, it was it was the capital. Was it J Dog? <laughs> yeah. It was big J Dog. It was you guessed it. It was a Ruaria. <laughs> <laughs> like nigga, I remember that shit. I'm like, that shit's funny, bro. No, he fucked up royally. Yeah, that's yeah, bad. I'm like nigga. Why? I'm like, why would you wrap the guests in the same wrapping paper? You paper, smoke, like, my friend. The oh my God. <laughs> I would at least color coded that shit. <laughs> Damn, Christ. Shit was bad. Pink for her, blue for her. <laughs> or, or, or something, or something, some kind of. You need some kind of something, man. A system. You gonna be a dog, man? At least be a smart one. Jesus Christ! Obviously, women be like men or dogs. Yeah, but not everybody the same type. Some niggas them stupid dogs. You know what I mean? Some yeah, niggas yeah. stupid some dogs. Niggas is <laughs> <laughs> and the other niggas is poodles. You know what I mean? Niggas is smart as shit.